Everybody say little things. Little things. Little things. I want to talk to you today a, a standalone message called Little Things Matter. Leading up towards Easter, I'm going to be preaching a, a, a several different standalone sermons. I have themes that God's stirring in my heart. They're all different themes, so I couldn't put them in one series. But I believe each one will be pivotal and important to our life as a believer. And today I want to speak about a theme that Jesus spoke about often, and it's the little things. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, if you have your Bibles, you could turn there. And uh, yeah, we get loud when we open the Word of God. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you a story. There's this author that I really enjoy reading. His name is Andy Andrews. He wrote a book called Traveler's Gift that impacted my life in a great way. And I heard him tell this story about one time he was with a few buddies. They wanted to go fishing. And they live in Orange Beach, Alabama. And so instead of paying to hire a, a captain of a, a nice fishing boat, go out on the ocean, they decided to rent a small boat with a small little gas tank that had the... the, the, the um, ability to type in as autopilot the, the right degrees to take you where you wanted to go. So they had a friend on the boat that knew there's an oil rig right off of Orange Beach, a few miles off, that um, was a good spot to go fishing. And so they, you know, typed in the right coordinates, they get in their small boat, and they go out there, and they knew in their minds, you know, once we get there, we're going to fish near the oil rig, and then we're going to return back, and we'll have just enough gas to get there and get back. But as they started going out, they got a few miles offshore and they started to realize, we're not seeing this oil rig anywhere. So they kept going, thinking, well, maybe we just, maybe it's a little bit further. They kept going, kept going. Finally, it was starting to get dark and they realized, we got to get back. We, we aren't going to have enough gas to get back. So they, they tried turning around and uh, trying to go back and they couldn't find land. And they ran out of gas and they were stranded out in the ocean without cell phones. These grown men who forgot cell phones who didn't want to pay for a captain. Now they're stranded out in the ocean with no gas in a small little boat. They spend the night out on the open sea. The next day comes around. They're hoping, praying, Lord, please send someone near us to rescue us. And finally, later that next evening, after being stranded for more than 36 hours out at sea, there was a ship that came by, found them, towed them back to land. And they asked, you know, what went wrong? What happened? They asked the owner of the boat, what did we do wrong? We typed in the coordinates and the owner of the boat's looking through it. He's trying to figure out, you know, what happened? Did, they, uh, did, did something go wrong? Was there a mechanical failure with the coordinates? How come they never found the oil rig? And he said, well, hold on. What were the coordinates? And he looks at it. He said, you were two degrees off. You were two degrees off. Now, there's 360 degrees on these boats. Two degrees is a smidgen. It's not that big. In fact, two degrees is one sixteenth of an inch on a compass. Everybody say, that's, that's little. That's little. That's not that big. But one sixteenth of an inch of a difference on a compass. But they said the distance makes the difference. The further you go two degrees off, the further off you get from the place you intended to go. That little difference made a huge difference difference as they started to go the distance the further you go a little bit off the further you drift from the place you intended to be Jesus said in Luke 16 verse 10 whoever can be trusted with very little everybody say little very little can also be trusted with much and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much don't underestimate the power of little things Jesus took a little lunch from a little boy and he fed thousands of people. With a little jawbone, Samson slew an entire army. David took a little stone and he brought down a big giant. With just a little faith, 
Jesus says, faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Little things matter. This last year, I went to go preach for a friend of mine who lives in Michigan, and he lives in a, um, a city called Flint, Michigan. How many of y'all have ever heard of Flint, Michigan? What's the word that comes to your mind when I say Flint, Michigan? Water. Water. Because something happened in the water in Flint, Michigan. So after I got done preaching for my friend there, I said, can you tell me about this water issue in Flint, Michigan that I've been hearing about for the last few years? He goes, oh, don't get me started. I said, no, I really want to know. He goes, oh, people are furious. And he said, and rightfully so, 12 people have died from this water thing. 12 people have died and 76 people got severely sick. They were hospitalized because of this water issue. He said, it's a huge deal that the thousands of people that live in Flint and around Flint that were affected by the Flint water uh, problem, they're, they're furious because it could have been avoided. I said, what do you mean? He said, at the beginning, we were getting water from Detroit. Uh, water was coming to Flint from Detroit, and the government officials wanted to save Michigan money. So they, they decided instead of piping water from Detroit all the way to Flint, that we would just supply water from the Flint River. Uh, and they had created a small little budget because they were going to save tens of millions of dollars not using the water from Detroit to pipe all the way to Flint. They had a small little budget to handle the corrosion because everyone knew that the Flint River had some pretty nasty stuff in it. So if we were going to get water from there, it needed to be purified. And they needed to make sure they spent the right amount of money as they were piping that water to all the homes that it wouldn't turn out bad. But someone forgot to do their little job. And nobody wanted to take responsibility. It would have cost just a few $10,000 and it ended up killing 12 people, hospitalizing 76 people, costing the state of Michigan millions of dollars in the long run to make up for it and to handle all the lawsuits that started coming against them. People started noticing in the beginning, they said, something's off with this water. It's like brown and yellow. What's wrong with this? And people said, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a little, just a little bit of yellow in your water. It won't matter. How many of y'all think little things matter? One of my friends went to go eat at a restaurant here in town. I won't name the restaurant. <laughs> but he was, he was eating this little taco, a little, a little taco. And it had a little carne asada and pico de gallo and onions and uh, all the good stuff. I mean, he was about to eat this beautiful little taco when all of a sudden there was a little thing wiggling around in there. And guys, it was just a little worm. No joke. He found a worm, a live worm in the taco. And uh, he has not eaten at that restaurant since then, and neither have I. <laughs> How many of y'all would say little things matter when it comes to your food? Not, not seeing a cockroach or a worm, you would say, I, I don't think I'm going to eat this anymore because that little thing makes a big difference to me. In the Bible, little things were a big deal to Jesus and a big deal to God. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, it was the little foxes that spoiled the vineyard. Catch the little foxes because it's the little foxes that ruin the entire vineyard. Not the big things. It's the small things. It's the little things. We could go to 1986. In January of 1986, seven people boarded a space shuttle called the Challenger. And in 73 seconds on broadcast news, how many of y'all remember this? The Challenger went up in the sky and exploded in front of everyone who was watching in 73 seconds. When they looked into what went wrong, it was a little thing. It was called an O-ring. An O-ring, a mechanical gasket that wasn't tight enough, caused the explosion 
for an entire space shuttle. I think about the story of Titanic. Titanic was meant to uh, uh, plow through anything and everything. It was meant to go fast and far. It was, it was prided and boasted as the greatest ship that had ever been built. And someone saw a little iceberg and said, we should probably stop. But the captain in his pride said, it's a little thing. A little thing won't make a big dent on this massive ship. A little thing won't matter. But as the ship went in, that little thing on top was a big deal down below. This is why little things matter. Little words, little actions, little thoughts. It's the little sins, the little glances, the little things we do that cost us our integrity. Paul, it's not that big of a deal. The company will never notice. Yeah, I just took a couple extra things that I wasn't supposed to take. I padded the expense account. I took a little bit more money, but no one will notice. But God will. And it's the little foxes that oftentimes take down the big leaders. It's the little things. It's the little things that no one wants to talk about. The little things that people think is not that big of a deal. You're being way too legalistic. It's all grace, baby. And yet it's the little things that lead to some pretty big consequences. Oh, God. Help us to come back to a place of integrity, to care about the little things. I was in Brazil recently preaching, and um, I asked the people. We had started to walk in this little jungle area down near a river where there was crocodiles. And I said, you know, um, man, tell me about these crocodiles. They said, oh, they grow big. There's, you know, 10-foot, 11-foot crocodiles in here. And there's also huge snakes. The further you go up in Brazil, the northern part of Brazil, there's the anacondas. There's jaguars and tigers and huge monkeys. And, you know, I was getting so excited. I love this kind of stuff. I was like, tell me about it. Tell me your stories. Have you ever encountered a jaguar or a crocodile? Did you ever have to fight, you know, an anaconda? And they're like, you watch way too many movies. But I said, no, I want to know. I want to know about the big animal attacks. I said, well, honestly, more people die from the, the little animals in Brazil than the big ones. I said, what do you mean? They said, there's this little fish. I go, the piranha, the piranha. They're like, no, not the piranha, Paul. <laughs> I thought I like, knew all this cool stuff about the Amazon jungle. They're like, not the piranha. There's, there's an even tinier fish that you can't really even see. And it goes into parts of your body that you don't want it to go into. And it kills people. They said, in fact, the, the little animals in Brazil, the, the little flies, there's a little frog in Brazil, small little frog, and it's a poisonous frog. And if you touch the back of this frog, you could die in less than 30 minutes. They said it's the little animals that have killed more people in Brazil than the big ones. It's not like big crocodile attacks. It's the little malaria. It's the little flies. It's the little things that have brought more sickness, more disease, more death to people than the big things. It's the little things in our life. If we don't pay attention to the little things, we're gonna end up in some pretty bad situations. It's important to care about the little things. In the same way, little things can make a huge difference in a positive way. I've met some people in the gym that I admire that are strong and in shape and healthy and skinny. And I'm like, how did you do it? Did you work out in the gym like six hours a day for 60 days? And they're like, no. I did like a 30-minute workout, and I was in there like four days this week. What? Four days? 30 minutes? Yeah, and I cut out some carbs. I ate some proteins. I didn't eat past 7 p.m. 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes of, of cardio, 15 minutes of weights, and I was out. I'm looking at their body I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> you had to have done some big workouts. No, it was the small stuff repeated over time that led to great results. 
It's the little things we do that can make a huge difference in our lives. Whether it's parenting, whether it's marriage, most marriages that that end in divorce, it's not over some big sins. It's over the little things that someone neglects to do. It's the little things that he forgot. It's the little things that she said. The little things. Little things can make a huge difference. A couple years ago, the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Baltimore Ravens, and all the cameras were watching the game, and the Cowboys were on defense, and and so the quarterback of the Cowboys was on the sidelines. He was taking a break, right, because the offense wasn't out there, and so Dak Prescott was on the sidelines. How many Cowboy fans do we have here today? All right, so... So one camera was spanning over to Dak. Not sure why, because all the other cameras were watching the action, but this one camera was just watching Dak, the quarterback of the Cowboys. And um, he goes over to the bench, and someone hands him a little white cup of Gatorade. He takes a drink. There's a trash can nearby. He throws it over at the trash can, looks the other way. Camera's watching him. And it hits the trash can, and it falls out. He hears it. He looks over. He sees it. The camera's watching him. Look at it. Now, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium is massive. They have like 500 staff members to take care of that entire parking and grounds and facilities and janitors and people to clean up. They've got full-time and part-time workers to take care of the stadium. So the quarterback, the multi-multi-million dollar, wealthiest, you know, most famous guy on the field, he's not really responsible to clean up, but something powerful happened. It was a little thing that made a huge deal in the sports world. He got up from the bench He picked up that little cup and he put it in the trash can and everybody talked about it for the next several weeks because that little act of service said a whole lot about his character. How do you handle the little things when you throw trash in the trash can or you don't? (laughs) Do you pick it back up? How do you handle when you're in a conversation and people start talking bad about another person that you know? Do you join in or do you walk away? Paul, it's a little thing. It's not like I committed murder. It's a little thing. It's just a little gossip. It's just a little lust. It's just a little sin, but it's the little sins. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1 says, it's just the little foolishness that can ruin a reputation. There was a pastor in the early 1800s, and his name was Reverend Robert James. He he had a Baptist church in in Texas. He had two sons, and they, they really wanted a dog. They were begging their father, please get us a dog, please get us a dog. And he was so busy with the church, he felt bad because he was always preaching and he felt like these boys need to play with something and they need to stay out of trouble. I should get him a dog, but I don't really want to buy a dog. And so one day this stray dog wandered in Reverend Robert James' yard. True story, so he finds the dog, there's no collar around the dog's neck and he takes the dog in, he says, boys, I found you a dog. Now this was a very uh, distinct dog. It was a black dog with three white hairs on the tail. Three white hairs sticking out of the tail. And so, you know, the boys, they were loving this dog. A few days went on. They loved this dog so much. They were having so much fun. They named this dog. They took this dog. They made this dog their own. And all of a sudden, signs started getting posted around the town of a lost dog. A reward for a lost dog. A black dog with three white hairs on the back of its tail. And the pastor had this feeling. He was conflicted. But my boys just got this dog. They love this dog. He felt so bad. He felt like the right thing to do was to let his boys keep the dog. So he got some black paint that he had. And he painted those three white hairs black. The owner came knocking door to door looking for his dog. And came to the pastor's door, knocked on the reverend's door. And the two boys 
opened the door and the father came and all of a sudden the dog ran up. The owner was looking at this dog. It looked so familiar. This is my dog. This is my dog. And the, and, and the owner who had been knocking on doors was holding papers. And the reverend said, well, hold on. Let me see those papers. This paper says that your dog has three white hairs on the back of its tail. The father's boys were watching their dad. He was masterfully manipulating this owner of the dog. It was so beautiful the way he was deceiving him. I mean, they had heard all of his home run sermons, but this one they would never forget. This one stood out. They watched their dad manipulate. And he said, I, I don't think this dog has those three white hairs. You said yours has three white hairs. I don't see that. The owner said, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's not him. It looks, looks just like him, but yeah, that's, that's your boy's dog. The owner walked away. The pastor smiled. He shut the door. He was so happy that he had got to keep the dog. His boys looked at him. They would never forget that. Reverend Robert James, he wrote in his memoirs, we kept the dog, but I lost my boys. His sons were Frank and Jesse James, the notorious criminals that went on to do so much crime around the United States, robbing banks, cheating people, stealing from people. He said, I kept the dog, but I lost my boys. They hung out with me every day, but they lost respect for me. See, it's the little things. You say, well, Paul, it's three little white hairs. No one's going to know. It's not that big of a deal. There was this one man. He was a wealthy man in Europe. He, he owned multiple homes. And um, there was a contractor who built homes for people, and he didn't have the money to afford to build his own home. And this wealthy guy came to the contractor. He knew about him, and he said, I need you to build me another house. I'm, I'm ready to have my fifth house built, and, and I want this one to be really nice. In fact, I'm going to just have an open budget here. Spare no expenses. Build me the nicest house you can build me. This contractor was a little frustrated. <laughs> He's thinking, man, this guy already has four houses. He's going to build himself a fifth house. I can't even afford to build my own house. The wealthy man said, I'll pay you whatever the price is to build me this really, really nice house. And by the way, I'm going on a long vacation. I'm going to be gone for uh, close to nine months. And I'll be back. And when I get back, I expect this house to be finished and to be beautiful. Spare no expenses. And so the wealthy man went off. And the contractor thought to himself, you know, I could cut some corners. I could build this house really cheap, use cheap materials, and I could save myself some money. I'll still charge him all the expenses for a really nice house, for nice materials. And I'll take that money and I'll go build my own house. Because this wealthy man, he won't even know. He's got four other really nice houses. This fifth one, it's not going to be that big of a deal. He won't even notice it. And so he did that. And the wealthy man came back. And he saw the house from a distance. He said, this house is gorgeous. This is exactly what I was dreaming of. He said, you know, the reason I wanted this house built is because I wanted to bless someone with this house. Someone who's been needing the house. So this house is all yours. The contractor had this ucky feeling on the inside. Because everything we do, you might think, well, no one sees it. No one will know. But God knows. And you know. And you can't fool yourself because you will live in the house you're building. You will live out the life with the character. Proverbs 22 says, a good name is worth more than anything. A, 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 a integrous reputation. Proverbs 22 verse 1. Integrity is worth more than anything. Now, God's not looking for us to be perfect, but he's looking for us to aim to live our lives right, to do things right by people, 
to do the right thing even when no one is watching. David said in Psalm 101 verse 2, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. Now we know David was not blameless. If you know the story of David in the Bible, you know he committed adultery, he committed murder, he didn't do things right as a father, he made some big mistakes, and yet at the end of his life, the Lord forgave him. And the Lord still said he was a man after God's own heart. Now, here's what we can learn from David. David was not perfect, but he was surrendered. When he sinned, he was quick to repent. And he wasn't just repenting because he got caught. He was repenting because he knew it broke God's heart. He wanted to live a righteous life. One little act of repentance can cover a mountaintop of sin. One little act of humility to say, Lord, I was wrong, can cover a multitude of dark living. I'm telling you today, there is fresh starts waiting for you today at this altar. There's fresh mercy and grace. One little act of saying, Lord, I need you. I've not been living right. I've been cheating people. I've been doing things wrong. But from this day forward, see, I think about the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. How many of y'all remember the story of Zacchaeus? A wee little man was he. He climbed up on a sycamore tree to see what he can see. Anyways, for all of us Sunday school kids, we know about Zacchaeus. He was a little man, and he had made some little sins. He had cheated people of money, right? He was a tax collector. He had cheated people a lot of money. But when Jesus met Zacchaeus, one little act of repentance, and Zacchaeus' heart was changed. Jesus isn't looking for perfect men and perfect women who've never sinned. He's looking to see if you'll do a little thing called surrender and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Zacchaeus said, from this day forward, I'm going to repay those who I've cheated. I'm going to make things right. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to your home. Little things matter. I was dropping my son Liam off at school this last week and and we had left the house just with just enough time to get to school at 8 a.m. We were going to be there on time. I left about 14 minutes, you know, before 8 a.m. And I knew that as long as all the lights turned green and, you know, as long as, as, long as I'm driving to maybe a mile over the speed limit, oh, Jesus, help me with the little things, uh, that I was going to be okay. I was going to be okay. So we, we get here and everything was fine. He had a minute to get inside the church, to get inside the school. And... Um, I said, okay, Liam, it's time to get out. It's time to get out. We got to get out now. You know, I'm rushing him. He's like, okay, okay. He's grabbing his backpack. He's five years old. He's grabbing his lunchbox. And he had this little toy. He's trying to fix this little toy that broke while we were in the car ride. And, and I said, Liam, we got to go now, now, now. And he had taken about five or six seconds. And I was like, we don't, have, we don't have five more seconds. You have 55 seconds to get from here into your classroom right now. We've got to get moving. And he's like, okay, daddy, okay, I'll hurry. And he took five more seconds. And I got frustrated. I said, that's it. You're getting disciplined after school. We're going straight to class. So I pulled him out. We went into class. I walked out of the school building. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started talking to me. I heard God speaking to my heart. Paul, you were harsh with Liam. I was like, hold on. I'm his father. Is that you, God? Or is that the devil? Or is that God? This feels like condemnation. <laughs> and God said, no, you were harsh. He's five years old. You were trying to rush him out of the car. He, he took five or six seconds and you lost your temper. You said you're going to discipline him after school. And I said, well, God, you know, he was testing my patience. He was testing my patience. And I heard God say, now you know how I feel <laughs> with you. I heard, I felt like God said, I put up with your 33-year-old immature self every day. You test my patience. 
but I'm patient with you. You can, you can be patient with your five-year-old son. I said, but, but God, he needs to be faster. <laughs> and I, I, I'm literally like having this conversation with God in my car. Anyone who's watching me would think this guy is crazy. He's got no earpiece in. He's just talking to the air. You know, Ashley can always tell when I'm talking to God or just thinking about something because I do it out loud. She's like, you're, you're talking to nothing right now. And, and so anyways, I'm, 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 I'm talking right now in the, in, in the truck to God. And God says, don't, don't spank him after school. Don't discipline him. You need to be patient with him. And I felt this conviction from God. Now it's a little conviction. And I could have blown it off. I could have said, I'm the dad. I'm not apologizing to my son. He's five years old. I'm 33. I don't apologize to And God said, you need to apologize to Liam. So I, after school, I found Liam. And I came to him. And he, all, he already remembered what had happened earlier. He said, Daddy, please, please don't spank me. Please don't discipline me. I, I hugged him. I said, Liam, Daddy was wrong. I said, I'm sorry. I got impatient with you. Now, I'm not like I don't get it all right all the time. So I'm telling a good story on me, but I could tell some bad stories on me. Don't think I'm a perfect dad. I'm not. But in that moment, I apologized. I said, Liam, I was wrong. And... Um, I'm sorry. And he said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I'll be faster next time. And, you know, I was like, no, Liam, it's okay. You're five years old. It's okay. And he was like, well, I'll do better next time. I'll do better. I said, Liam, even if you don't, it's okay. I love you. I'm going to be more patient with you. And he hugged me. I said, I'm sorry. Daddy was wrong. He said, it's okay, Daddy. I've been wrong too before. And (laughs) this kid is just amazing. I love Liam. But uh, I love all our kids the same. No favorites. Benny, Mac, Liam, they're all amazing. But, um, you know, little words can go a long way. Little words like, I'm sorry, could save a marriage. Little words like, I was wrong. I was wrong. How about the next time you're corrected in your company, instead of defending yourself, just going to your supervisor and saying, I'm sorry, I'll do better next time. Those little humbling acts we do that don't seem like a big deal can go a long ways with God and a long ways in relationships. How many people, their pride won't let them say, I'm sorry. Their pride won't let them say, I love you. Their pride won't let them say, I was wrong. Their pride won't let them say, I forgive you. James chapter three, verse five says, the tongue is a small thing. It's a very little thing. And yet it, it can create heaven or hell on earth. It can release mass destruction or bring mass healing. The tongue. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. A small spark. In 1871, there was this woman named Mrs. O'Leary. She owned a farm. She had a barn with several animals. And there was this cow that had wandered close to the barn where there was a a fire-burning lamp near, hanging off the barn. The cow got angry and twitched its leg and kicked the lamp. The lamp fell down right there in Illinois and started to burn her field. And it led towards Chicago. This led to the great Chicago fire that destroyed millions of dollars of businesses and homes and killed hundreds of people, all because a cow twitched its leg. Little things can lead to big destinations. Little things can make a huge difference. You know, I think about how every day we can make little choices that can lead to great destinations. In 1991, my mom and dad, they had this little inkling in their heart that they were supposed to go to Russia. Now, they were born in Magnolia, Arkansas, or they grew up in Magnolia, Arkansas. And they they moved here to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to Oral Roberts University. 
And they had a little inkling that they were supposed to serve in a church right here in Tulsa. And then a little inkling that they were supposed to start a ministry on this side of Tulsa called Victory. And then in 1991, they had this little feeling that they were supposed to go to Russia. And my dad had this little feeling that he was supposed to write this little book called This New Life. Just 30 pages, just a little book. And they decided to act on that little thing. And they went to a a town in Russia that most people hadn't heard of called St. Petersburg. Everyone knew about Moscow, but St. Petersburg, what's St. Petersburg? Where's St. Petersburg? We know about Moscow. Why not go to a big city? Why not go somewhere in Europe that's huge, like everyone knows, like Rome or England, London, not England, London. Um, But they went to St. Petersburg and they took that little book. And today, millions of lives have been saved and impacted because that little act of obedience in 1991. You see, little things can lead to huge results. It's not standing on a stage. You know what God spoke to me this last week? He said, Paul, you apologizing to your son was a bigger sermon than any sermon you've preached in the last year. That little act of humbling yourself in the eyes of your boy. You and Ashley going to Growing Kids God's Way. That little class you attend. It's going to make a huge result as parents. That little connect group you start, that little conversation you have with your teenage daughter, that little thing you do at your company, that little extra thing, it can go a long way. So we need to come back to integrity. We need to come back to caring about the little things. As we lead up towards Easter, I want the keys to come up, but I think about all these characters in the Bible that surrounded Jesus, and one that stands out to me uh, in a big way is a man named Judas. Judas had a little attitude with Jesus. He cared a whole lot about money. In ways that, like when Jesus, when money would come in, Jesus would oftentimes give it away and it bothered Judas. He said, you know, I'm the, I'm the treasurer of the group. The Bible says that Judas was in charge of the money. And he would get frustrated. And sometimes Judas would take a little bit of the money for himself. And he would think, no one's gonna know, just me. And I need this money. Because we got to survive. We can't just live off of five loaves and two fish every time there's a meal that we got to have for the disciples. So Judas was kind of pulling a little bit. One time there was this woman who came to a supper that Jesus was having. This was close to Easter, close to his crucifixion. And he knew what was going to happen. The disciples didn't know. He knew that he was headed towards the cross and that three little nails was going to change everything for the, the entire world. And this woman comes in with a alabaster jar of perfume. And it was full of very expensive perfume. In fact, it was worth a year's wages. And she broke it. She poured it out on Jesus' feet. And it was the most beautiful smelling aroma. But the disciples, they were indignant. They were frustrated. How dare she do this? And Judas especially, he said, this could have been used to, to help the poor. Why did she waste this Money on you, Jesus. Why did she waste this on on your feet? And Jesus said, you don't understand. This little act of surrender is gonna be shared all around the world for the rest, for the rest of the world. It's gonna be talked about for centuries from now. People are gonna talk about this woman's little act of surrender, this little act of work. How many have heard the story about this woman who poured out, yeah, look around the room. This is so true. Jesus prophesied that it would have been talked about and that everyone would know about this story. And Judas was so mad that he left that meeting. That very night, the Bible says that very night, Judas, he went to the Pharisees and he said, what can I get in exchange for Jesus? What will you give me in exchange for Jesus? And they said, well, we'll give you uh, 30 silver coins. 
30 silver coins. It's equivalent to about $20 today. And you might be here today and you say, well, Paul, I would never sell Jesus out for 20 bucks. I would never give up my relationship with Jesus for $20, for 30 silver coins. But how you handle the little things, how you handle the little things. A couple weeks ago, my boys, they wanted to build a tree house. And so I was uh, looking for some wood to build a tree house. I wanted to do just a, you know, a DIY project, do it yourself. And so I, I saw on Google, you could build tree houses with wood pallets. So I was driving around town. I saw these wood pallets behind a, a company and they were near a dumpster. And I thought, no one will care. It's wood pallets. They're probably going into the trash anyways. I'll just grab a few. But I had this little conviction. Everybody say little conviction. Yeah, little conviction. Sometimes that's all you have is just a little conviction. You're in the heat of a moment. All you have is just this little voice. And I had this little conviction. No, don't, don't take this. Go and ask the owner of the company if you can have it. Now, you guys might think, well, Paul, it's going in the trash. It's not that big of a deal. It's for your boys. But I had to follow that little voice. I had to follow that little conviction. I haven't always done all the little things right, but I'm trying my best from this day forward. I've, I've been trying my best. Every year of my life, I want to get better at the little things. Every day of my life, I want to get better at doing the little things right. I want to, get, I want to become an, a man of integrity. I don't care if I get famous. I just want to be a man that's, that's in the eyes of God, that's pleasing to God. I, I, at the end of the day, I just want to do things right in the eyes of God. I want the people who know me the most to respect me the most. So many people are a public success, but a private failure in the eyes of God, in the eyes of people who know them the most. And, and I just don't want to do that. And so I went to the owner of the company. I said, hey, can, can I have like one or two of those wood pallets behind your, your building? Remember, 30 silver coins, $20. And he said, I can't believe you would ask me. Most people would just take it. He said, they're, they're by the dumpster. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I just, I guess I just wanted to make sure it was okay. He said, yeah, you can have them. In fact, take all of them. Now, so many people, they live with this mindset of it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission, right? Like if dad says you can only spend $20 on his credit card, but you go spend 25 and you think, oh, it's okay, I'll ask for forgiveness. It's okay, he loves me, his grace is sufficient. It'll cover my mistakes. But integrity is to ask for permission first and he said you know what because you asked why don't you take them all integrity pays off I would have thought that by taking a few wooden pallets I was getting a steal of a deal oh yeah I got two wood pallets no one's gonna know I'm gonna build an awesome tree house but because I asked for permission, he said, take them all. Integrity opens the door for so much more favor in your life. Doing the right thing pays off. It's 30 silver coins, but it's your relationship with God. It's your honesty. It's your integrity. It's three small hairs on the back of a dog's tail. It's not that big. No, it's your integrity. It pays off. It's the little things. And you know, the little things can go a long way. In fact, in that final, in that next chapter, as Judas went to go betray Jesus, Jesus did a little thing. He brought his disciples into a room. And Jeremy, can I borrow you for a moment? Will you just sit right here? And Jesus sat down. He did a little thing. Will you take your shoes off? <laughs> he took a towel and he dipped it in a, in a water basin. And um, he said to his disciples, let me wash your feet. Yeah, take your sock off too. 
Jeremy oversees our connect groups here. He does a great job, him and Tara. And look at those feet. <laughs> you go, oh. But you know, the little things go a long way. The little things go a long way. Jesus started washing their feet, and Peter said, don't wash my feet. Don't wash my feet. You're the Savior. You're the, you're the leader. You're, you're my God. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be one of my disciples. He said, oh, wash everything. Wash my hands. Wash my head. Wash my hair. Wash my face, you know. And Jesus said, what, am I, what I'm doing for you, I want you to do for one another. Those little acts of service will go a long way in the eyes of God. He said, you call me teacher, but I've come to be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. Every time you do something small, thank you, Jeremy, for somebody else, God sees that. He sees those little things that you do. When my, when my father had passed away, I had gotten very discouraged and depressed. And all of a sudden, I started getting these random text messages from an unknown number. And they were encouraging text messages. Hey, Paul, you're a mighty man of God. You're doing a great job. Don't quit. Don't give up. God's for you. Things are going to get better. Your best days are in front of you. And I didn't know who this number was, but it always hit me at the right time. At the times where I was so discouraged and just wanted to throw in the towel. And I thought my wife had gotten another phone and that she was texting me from some unknown number to encourage me. I said, babe, are you, are you texting me from an unknown number? She goes, no, let me see that number. I'm going to call this woman right now. It wasn't a woman. <laughs> but there was a, a guy in our church, a young guy in our church, Tate Gomez, a teenager, that had gotten my number from his parents, and he was texting me about once a month. And those little text messages that probably took him like one minute to send, that little text message that probably barely took him a minute to think of, to type, it hit me right when I needed it. This week, one little text message you send could save someone's life. One apology, one I love you to your son could divert them from the wrong path to get on the right path. One I forgive you could save someone from doing something really dumb. One altar call response, one person's act to go in the water to get baptized is going to save their entire destiny. Their eternity is being saved and changed because of one little act of obedience. One little step to invite someone to church. How many are here because someone invited you a long time ago? Or it could have been in the last few months or in the last few years, someone told you about victory. How many are here because someone used their voice to invite you to church? Yeah, one little invitation could save an entire family. We could reach our entire city. If we stopped worrying about all the big things and started focusing on the little things. There's so many little things I go back to. My dad was so big on the little things. He would care about, you know, how we reported numbers. If it was 8,497, he wasn't going to say 8,500. He was going to say 8,497. He wanted to be distinct. He wanted to do things right. When I was playing baseball in fourth grade, I wanted to quit every single day. I was sitting in the dugout. I, I hated it. I did not want to play. He said, Paul, you're going to finish the season. You need to learn how to stick through it. Dad, I don't like it. I don't get to play. I, every time I get on the field, I get hit. I get hit in the head or hit where it counts, and it hurts. And it was coach pitch, and my dad even hit me a few times with the ball, coach pitch. I was like, Dad, this is not my sport. I'm not gifted at this. Yeah, but you started it. You need to finish it. It's a little thing. But that little thing of learning to stick through something, to persevere, 
after he passed, there was times I wanted to quit. But I go back to times where he said, no, you're going to learn to stick something out. You're going to learn to finish something, even when you don't want to do it. You're going to learn to overcome your feelings. See, we live in a society with moral relativism. There, people don't know what's right or wrong. They're like, whatever you think is okay for you is okay for you. And whatever I think is okay for me is okay for me. No, there's actually a book that tells us how to live a righteous life. Wide is the path that leads to death. Narrow is the path that leads to life. It, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost your honesty, your integrity. It's going to cost you your time. But it's worth doing the right thing. It's worth living your life the right way. It's a two-degree difference. But the distance makes the difference. And the little things, when we do the little things right, it can pay off in the long run. It's your house that you're building. You think you're building it for someone else. You're building it for you. You're going to move into that house. Don't cut the corners. Do it the right way. Don't quit just because it's tough. Don't gossip about your supervisor. Don't slander other people. Don't cheat people of their money. Don't take things from the company that's not yours. Do the right thing. But Paul, they, they betrayed me. They frustrated me. I'm just getting a little bit of revenge. But the little things the right way can save your life. I, I want us to stand to our feet all over this place. I love you, church. I care about you. I love you. You know, as we end today, I just let me, let me say one last thing. One last thing. A little bit of Bible reading can go a long way. I was so intimidated to read this as a kid because it was like a thousand pages. And I had not even read a book more than 30 pages. But I started one page at a time. You start with Proverbs. Just read a few verses. Maybe you're someone who, who's not good at reading. Just Put on the audio of the Bible this week. It's a little thing, but it'll make a huge difference. I remember when I started learning to pray and I would pray in the morning. I would just say, thank you, Jesus. One little prayer, but it would set the course of my day. And I started learning to pray at night and it would set the course of my sleep. And, and when I would have nightmares, I'd wake up in the middle and I would just say one little prayer, but I'd be able to go back to sleep with peace. See, it's the little things that can shape your, your heart, your character, your walk with God, your enjoyment. The little things like giving, going to church. You think going to church is not that big of a deal. You're bringing your three-year-old to church. It's not that big of a deal. But when that three-year-old turns 23 and they've had 20 years of just little Sunday mornings going to a little church service, maybe a big little church service here at Victory, and it's shaping the course of their life. Don't underestimate taking your four-year-old son to children's church. You're pointing them. They're arrows. Don't underestimate a little bit of time in God's presence on Sunday. Don't underestimate this week spending a little quality time with your spouse. A little bit of text messages to some people that you just need to encourage. Those little things are going to make a huge impact.